Hi, everyone. It's Britton. I'm here today with Dan Blanchard from Uncruise Adventures. And this is Dan's second time on the podcast, but I want to treat this as a bit of a getting to know you episode again, because our audience has grown quite a bit since the last time you were on where we're seeing, we're going to all these new outlets. So I want to hear about Uncruise. Um, first, you can start off by telling us where you are, as you just told me. Well, I am fortunate enough to be at our headquarters in Juneau, Alaska, literally right behind me here. Uh, past this wall is our, all our boats, and uh, this is where we we board and disembark our vessels, uh, basically starting in early April and ending on, in October each year. So, yeah, right here at the head of the dock. Yeah, absolutely. And it's nice to be talking to you at this time. You know, it's like last year, I know you were able to get out for just the shortest period of time. And then things went bad, badly for everyone. And then, you know, now I'm getting ready to go on a ship. So it's just exciting to talk to you now that you are sailing and you've been having, how is your season going so far? What's the response been with everything? Well, you know, the response has been terrific. Obviously being, you know, a small U.S. flag vessel, we started on May 7th. Uh, I think to to date, we have almost 66 trips in, and uh, so it's it's been quite busy. Uh, we have six of our eight boats up in Alaska this summer, and uh, it's been a pretty amazing because it, because there hasn't been so many large ships. They just started last week, really. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've kind of had the place to ourselves, so it's a, a historic time. Uh, and even today, sailing, there are only nine cruise ships out of what would normally be around 30. Um, so we're not seeing a lot of cruise ship traffic yet. Yeah. And uncruise was always one of those where it was like at the beginning of this, before we knew if the big ships were going to be able to go, it was like, well, uncruise is us flag. They're small ships. It was really some, someone that I, or a company that I turned to for a lot of people looking for Alaska cruises. And I do that often, but especially now because of the size of the ships. So do you want to talk about uh, the ships and they're perfect small ships for, and you're out, there's so much outdoor space, you know, they're kind of perfect for COVID sailings really. Yeah, they really are. And I think, you know, the reason the name Uncruise kind of exemplifies really everything about our, our small ships. Um, you know, they're all under a hundred passengers. They range as small as a 22 foot or 22 passenger charter yacht up to our 88 passenger uh, wilderness legacy and, and, and average around 60, 70 passengers. Now, the, the unique thing about what we do is we're not really about cities and port calls. We're uh, an adventure travel trade company. So unlike typical cruising, where it's more about the boat and the cities, for us, it's, it's more about the adventure and getting it out in the wilderness, kayaking, paddle boarding, hiking, even snorkeling in Alaska. And for those that maybe don't want to take that hard hardcore approach, you know, there's skiff rides and beach strolls and hot tubs on deck, you know, all the amenities, but very nature focused. So what that does during these COVID periods is naturally we're already kind of socially distanced because we're not, you know, doing a port call a day. We're not exposed to communities in that way, which makes us extremely safe uh, during these times. 
And yeah, and there's so much focus on the outdoor adventure part as well. You know, I love that because that's something that I've been doing. And it feels like one of the only things that I feel comfortable doing with my friends. And then I got more comfortable hanging out. And now I'm like, oh, well, maybe we need to be outside again now that I'm going to be traveling. And so, you know, those are the activities that I'm feeling comfortable doing right now. And so, you know, I don't want to talk about COVID the whole time, but I think that it is important to talk about and how you all have been able to, to, to keep these cruises going, to keep people outside, to keep people socially distanced, to keep people safe. And then, you know, for those people who don't feel comfortable being inside on a big ship all the time, it's just, it's a great option. And I also love the snorkeling in Alaska because that is something that I remember so well from our first interview. And I'm like, did you know that you can snorkel in Alaska if you go on uncruise? So that is something that has, has really, really stuck out to me. Well, you know, it, um, it, we had a really rugged winter um, this last winter in Southeast Alaska. So our trip starting out in early May um, this year, you know, they would pull up into Glacier Bay, anchor in the ice. The snow was right down to sea level. And not only were they doing that snorkeling, but the polar plunge. Not everybody mm. will snorkel, but the polar plunge, you know, yeah. jumping into ice waters. I did it in Alaska, kind of that rite of passage type thing for a lot of our guests of all ages, I might add. Yeah. And so you talked about this all, you, you mentioned all ages, then we talked about it, you know, a minute ago too, touched on it with the activities. What, how does this look for multi-generational? What's your demographic? Do you see a lot of families? Do you see a lot of older people? Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting when you talk demographics, you know, I can I can tell you, the, you know, the facts that our average customer is about 60, 62 years old, flips on both sides that strongly starts out in the mid 40s, has no end point. I will say we have people in their 90s all the time on board, but it's, it's really to do more with what's in their head, their site geographic. And for our guest, it's it's that person that has really adventured all their life. Maybe when they were in college, they went to Europe on 25 bucks a day, uh, this type of thing. And, and now what's happening is they're bringing their children and their grandchildren in these multi-generational traveling trips where they're coming on board. Uh, it might be that grandma and grandpa are, you know, maybe sitting in the hot tub, taking the skiffs, doing lighter hikes, where the younger people are on the all-day kayaks and all this kind of thing to satisfy the multiple groups of people, or I should say multiple desires of people. I mean, you know how it is, uh, even with my partner, you know, we have different desires and one of us is more adventuresome than the other. And it works out to we both are very satisfied on board our uncruise adventures. Yeah, absolutely. Or sometimes you spend a day long hiking or kayaking and then you want to do something lighter. So it's nice to have those options, which is going to be my next question is what is the ability level? I mean, what do people need to be able to do to fully enjoy these cruises? You know, it, it, the ability level spans all over the place. Like I say, we have, you know, uh, people my age that are still climbing mountains and people my age that are just happy to sit in the hot tub and take beach strolls. Yep. Um, so, you know, really just basic mo mobility, being able to get in and out of a skiff or a kayak. That's about, and almost anyone that can walk can do that. So uh, it really is a, a thing where it covers a wide span of abilities that people have. And we design our adventures 
every day in small groups so that the more adventuresome can get out and do the hardcore stuff. And those that want to chillax on the boat in the hot tub or whatever, or just take a skiff ride can do that too. Yeah, absolutely. So we talked about Alaska, you know, I think we haven't ventured. What's your favorite, what are your favorite itineraries that you, that UnCruise offers? Well, you know, Alaska is my, my heart and soul. There's no question about it. And and everything that we do in other parts of the world, whether it be Guatemala or Belize or Panama or Mexico, all have to kind of pass the Alaska litmus test. And what that means is it needs to be an adventuresome location where we are out in the wilds in some way, either experiencing culture or the local history uh, of the area, as well as just the adventure side. In Alaska, you know, I it's hard to pick a particular itinerary um, because every trip, even on the same itinerary, is so different. Every every trip, no trip is the same. I mean, you know, how you might see whales, how you might have a different hiking options, how you might have bears one trip and, and heavy goats another one. It's, it's really hard to measure which particular itinerary. But I, of course, I'm a, I'm a big lover of Glacier Bay. That's where I started. And to me, Glacier Bay is a, a really important aspect of a trip to Alaska. And I know, yeah, I mean, I think that when I think of UnCruise, I think of Alaska a lot because I know that you're in Alaska, you know, but there are, I wanted people to know that there is more than Alaska as well. And I know that um, when I was talking to your PR people, you know, they mentioned the Columbia snakes. So you have these little river, river voyages as well. Yeah. You know, and, and not just any river, you know, not every river fits the UnCruise theme. But the Columbian Snake River, I don't know if you know this, but, you know, they didn't get, they weren't created through just erosion. It was a cataclysmic event that happened many times when massive ice dams broke through the mountain range and carved out these, this whole Columbia Basin in a matter of days. And, you know, so what you have is you, you actually have a river that goes through a mountain range. And so it's not like, you know, low-lying shore along the river. It's steep, beautiful cliffs and basalt and, and, you know, wonderful in the lower Columbia, the gorge area, which is just lush with waterfalls and vegetation. And what this does is it makes it really great for adventuring. So we kayak up to Palouse Falls and a very narrow river. We, we go uh, whitewater rafting or floating, depending on what you want, on the Deschutes River and all these kind of activities, as well as hikes up on the mesas. And it's a, the Columbia Snake River is is truly unique in the United States in that respect. Yeah. So do you use the same vessels for those river cruises or are they different? Uh, We use the same vessel. So we have the Wilderness Legacy goes down on the river every fall, which is prime time on the river, not only for the, for the weather and the right temperature, but it's also right at the the peak of the the grape harvest. Um, This is a huge wine area. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, how about adventuring with wine? You saw how my face, this is why I don't video with people because as soon as you said wine, I'm sure that you saw the corners of my mouth turn up a little bit. (laughs) Well, you know, it is really true because it's, uh, you know, here we have this great cruising ground in the Columbian Snake River. But then right next to it, as you're going up the river at the foothills of these massive cliffs are these vineyards that just go on and on and on. 
And so the mix of wine and adventure, I just, and, and of course, there's a lot of beer and breweries down there too, yeah. which just make for kind of a, a great combination. For all of my listeners, don't worry. I'm also smiling at beer. I don't, I'm not an exclusionist. <laughs> <laughs> so we've talked about the experience. We've talked about the adventure. I want to know what life, because this is a cruise podcast after all, what is life on board? Like what, what are the accommodations like? on on the ships we mentioned you know the passenger capacities are small but but what else yeah you know i think if you kind of would were to think of your your favorite outdoor lodge you know maybe you have a ski lodge you went to when you were younger um you know maybe it was a a, a backcountry lodge for hiking take that and put it on a boat hall and that's what we have and what that means is they're, they're, they're expedition boats for the most part, which means the cabins are smaller than, say, a larger cruise ship, although we do have some of our boats have quite large cabins. But for the most part, they're smaller, but they're very comfortable. The reality is, just like a, a backcountry lodge, you don't spend a lot of time in your cabin. You're out during the day adventuring. So what you find is that the cabins are well-appointed but modest. And you find the public areas are designed for really great times of combining ideas and sharing stories. So when you go to our bars, the, the bar is a big slab top of Sitka, or excuse me, yellow cedar from Alaska. And, and, it, and it's just designed to be homey, build an environment of sharing. So it's kind of like, let's push and explore and have fun all day. And let's come back and share all the secrets at happy hour and let that run into dinner and prepare for the next morning. So the boats really are just the platform to get us out there. But like I say, they're, they're kind of like backcountry lodges in many ways. Yeah, absolutely. And what all is included in the cruise fair itself? Well, pretty much everything. So all the spirits, adult beverages, food, all the activities are included. Transfers to and from the airport are included. Anytime we do stop in like a native village, any presentations are included. Really, the only thing that isn't included is air to get here and and then any gratuity to the crew. Okay, good. Good to know. Um, people, you know, especially with these big cruise lines in Alaska, I think people are used to being nickeled and dimed a little bit. So it's nice that there's an all-inclusive product, especially with so many excursion options, because you do look at that when you're going with a bigger company as well as that you're always shelling out more money for all of the excursions. And it's nice that you have so much variety in the excursions and that they are also included. Yeah. I mean, when you actually do the math, and, you know, in, with all the premium drinks included and all the meals and all the activities and the transfers that you would pay extra for on a large ship. It's amazing. Our price, you would think the price difference for us would be way up here. But when you actually look at the, all those inclusions, we are more than a big ship but it's a lot closer than you might think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you look at everything added up, it, it can always make a difference. We do these pricing charts and it's so interesting to break it down. But anyway, that's not why we're here today to talk about that. <laughs> well, that's we, the business uh, side of what you and I do. We're, gonna, we're worrying about the prices later, right? Now we're worrying <laughs> about the experience. that uh, The price tag, that's just a number. 
Indeed, indeed. I so last time too, and I think that especially when we're talking about Alaska, I know we said that there's more than Alaska, but when we're talking about Alaska, when we're talking about these adventure companies, I always think that it's really important to focus a little bit on sustainability initiatives because, especially in the cruise industry, and I know that we did talk about that a little bit the last time that we talked. But can you just remind everyone, or for the new listeners, you know, um, what kind of initiatives you all are taking? I loved the the thing about the wine, of course, I loved the wine, but you can tell me about, about that too. Well, you know, we were the, the first company, I think first maritime entity of any entity of any kind that put keg wine on board our, our trips. And that was because we were, you know, obviously you can hold many, many gallons of wine in a keg and it was a new idea at the time. But what that does for sustainability is terrific because we reduce the amount of waste and bottles and shipping and, but everything from, you know, even our dispensers, this was probably 15 years ago, all our soap dispensers in the showers, we, we went with high end liquid dispensers to get rid of plastic waste. We were the first uh, maritime entity of any kind to be fully accepted by the Monterey Bay Aquarium Seafood Watch, um, which we are still certified with which was no easy thing. They went through five years of our invoices to assure that we were choosing seafood that was appropriate and sustainable. And then to just buying local goods. You know, I, a lot of times when those of us that are kind of green-minded, we, we think about, okay, how can we be better citizens of our earth? The more we buy local, the, the less carbon footprint is out there, the, the more it provides for the local and company local businesses and the environment locally in each town. But it also, it's, it's a flavor thing. So for instance, when you go on our boats, one of our favorite gins and vodka come right from Amalga distillery, which is just three blocks from me. And those hops and the, and all the, the stuff that goes into making them come from the Matanuska Valley in Alaska by Anchorage. So the, this, what this does is it creates a localized product rather than us having maybe a gin from Europe. Um, it's, it's very localized and therefore the money is spent here and it's a smaller footprint. So those are just some of the, the items that we work continually on improving. Yeah. Yeah. I always like, you can always tell when people have more of a kind of sustainability focused mindset, more of a sustainable mindset, because they always mention that buying locally and and supporting local economies and when they don't they focus more on waste and reducing plastics and things like that everyone already knows so uh, it's nice to hear that and that you're going kind of the extra mile as well apart from just you know you you said it yourself what more can i be doing as someone who's conscious minded so i i like that a lot um as we know, the Alaska season does not run all year long. And I know that we've talked a lot about Alaska. What can people do this year with UnCruise? What, what opportunities do people have to sail this year with you all or, you know, beginning of 2022? Sure. Well, of course, we're still, still running in Alaska, so you can still come up and book a trip yeah. with us. Yeah. But uh, here very soon, we'll be operating uh, out of Seattle on our Salish Sea and uh, Olympic National Wilderness itinerary, which includes San Juan Islands, uh, that will start uh, in early September. Then also in early September, we'll be operating, as we discussed earlier, down on the Columbia and Snake River. And then in November, we start up in Hawaii again. And uh, 
And all those are selling like hotcakes, I have to tell you. Um, mm-hmm. The demand for domestic travel right now is huge. Mm-hmm. So anyone that's thinking about traveling domestically should be thinking about booking right away. Yeah. Um, so anyway, we have those, those routes that will happen this uh, late summer and fall. And then as we get into winter, we will be operating in January in Mexico. Uh, we have canceled our uh, Costa Rica, Panama, and Belize trips for this fall. Uh, just not enough vaccination uh, happening there. We just mm-hmm. don't have a situation that uh, meets our safety standards yet. Uh, however, um, I have to say Ecuador is doing a tremendous job, and we have started operations uh, and had a number of sailings to depart to the Galapagos or in the Galapagos. Mm-hmm. In fact, I think we have one starting on Saturday. So Okay. Uh, yeah, so that's that's kind of one of the rare treats down south that is yeah. really got a great program going. Yeah, Ralph was on in the Galapagos and he will just never stop talking about it. It's like one of those things that he wants to continually do and do and especially, you know, it's it's so the, only the small ships can go to the Galapagos and there are so few ships that do go there and so few opportunities. So I'm glad that you mentioned that as well. And you, do you do still have Alaska availability then for this? Yeah, we we're in Alaska till we end in the first week of October this year. And so we still have space uh, in Alaska, not a lot, but there still is space available. And how are you all treating, are you requiring a vaccination um, for passengers? We are. We came out in early March to our guests that were already booked and let them know that we were going fully vaccinated uh, with adult passengers and crew, um, mm-hmm. which means that, you know, obviously minors uh, aren't, don't have our vaccination requirement on them. Um, but the we went out with that in early March. Uh, I believe we were the first company in the world operate a fully vaccinated trip on May 7th. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so that, that continues. We have um, changed since the Delta variant, the variant, excuse me, the Delta variant came out. Um, that kind of surprised, I think, our whole world because we, mm-hmm. we were under the belief as vaccinated people that, you know, that, we, that was unlikely that we would get ill. Yeah. Um, however, the Delta variant's changing that. So we have gone back to uh, masks on board uh, on the interior of the vessel. Uh, for our first uh, 50 trips or so, we didn't have to have that. But as the Delta variant picked up, we needed to take that precaution. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, there, there are still a lot of safeguards in place. Um, some of them are actually being amped back up because of the Delta variant. Uh, but we've, uh, I, we're close to 70 trips after this weekend. Uh, that have run. So that's, I think, a good track record. Well, I know one thing that we said last summer when you all had, and I, we don't have to get super into it, but we were just so impressed with when you all had that case on board and it wasn't even right. It was, it ended up being anyway, but just how quickly you were able to act and, you know, that you had that safety plan in place and that you were able to get people quarantined. And it was just, it was really impressive. And I wanted to commend you for that because it, it, I I'm glad that it happened the way that it did a little bit. I know that it kind of affected you, but it, it showed for sure that you all have been a good model. And it's good for me to hear as well that you are looking at these places that don't have the high vaccination rates and, and being careful about who you're taking and how you're handling it. 
it's nice to see that kind of human side of things. And I like sitting down and talking to people because again, so often when you're looking at these big companies and I don't want to make anyone upset, but it, it's not an individual and it's about how you can please the most people, but it's nice that you are taking all of these things into consideration for sure. Thank you. That's very kind of you, but I will add that, you know, that you really have to have well laid plans when you're dealing with a pandemic. And, you know, last year was really unfortunate. We had the single positive, which we learned later was a false positive. You know, it's the way it goes, but, you know, you need to have those plans for isolation of your crew and your guests and Mm -hmm. how you treat people. And, you know, though, and that that's a constantly changing environment as well. As you know, CDC has had to change their um, outlook on the variant because the variant has changed things. And mm-hmm. so you're mm-hmm. constantly moving. And we just had a, a meeting this morning about, okay, what's the next step with this Delta variant? What are we going to see? How are we going to change? How do we take our hotel blocks to we have set aside to protect in case we need that isolation? It's a, it's a continually moving thing, I can tell you. It's, it's alive. Yes, yes. And I do, I, I don't, as I said, I don't want to talk badly about everyone. I commend the industry as a whole. It's been amazing how everyone has gotten together and navigated this. But you, I just, I really wanted to commend you personally and specifically. Um, so, I mean, is there anything else that you feel like we should touch on? I know that we kind of did a, a quick overview because we only had 30 minutes today and, but we got 2021 out of the way and hopefully people can get on board soon. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's really going to be as we get into 22, um, you know, let's just uh, hope that everybody gets vaccinated and that we put these future variants aside. But uh, we're, we're believing that by 22, that we'll be back on step with our normal operations. And, and then in 23, where we've got some new things come along, we're even going to do some winter cruising in Alaska. Um, I was in Antarctica in February of 2000. Uh, when everything busted loose. So we're looking at reigniting our Antarctica efforts as well. So a lot of things coming down the road as well. Yeah, well, that's exciting. And I'm hoping as well, of course, that 2022 is good for everyone. But I'm, it sounds like you got a good, good lot good in store for 21 too. I mean, I was so bummed that I couldn't go on that Columbia snake trip because it just sounds so amazing. I mean, and now that you've talked about the vineyards, I might have to shift my plans around a little bit. <laughs> well, I have to say it is pretty impressive to be going up the river and seeing the, the vineyards right there. Yeah. And then, you know, you even see the us uh, in certain locations, you see you know, the whole area where they press the grapes and the tanks for the wine. I mean, it's, it's pretty impressive. 